Welcome to another episode of the Get Your Edge podcast. I am your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage here in Verona. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchi of the Fox Valley Throws Club. Coach, you over there? Absolutely. Awesome. 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 Well, we're really lucky today. We got a, we got a very, very special guest, um, someone who's very close to Coach Manchi, um, you know, through his high school career and things like that, and they remain pretty close. Uh, A.J. Klein of the Buffalo Bills. A.J., you there? Yes, I am. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Um, so typically, A.J., you know, what we do is instead of giving a big rundown on, on our guests and things like that, we like to let you guys shoot from the hip a little bit and, and, and give us a little background on yourself. So let us know, uh, you know, where you've been from or where you're from and some of the different places you've been. Okay. Well, um, I know you touched on it. Me and uh, Matchy go back all the way to high school. So I graduated uh, from Kimberly High School in uh, 2009. Um, after that, I attended Iowa State University, uh, where I was there for four years. And uh, my last season there was 2012. Um, and then was drafted uh, that following spring by the Carolina Panthers. And my first season in the NFL was 2013. I was with the Panthers from 13, 14, 15, and 16 was able uh, to be able to go to a Super Bowl with Carolina in 2015. Unfortunately, came up a little bit short. Um, but after that, I signed a three-year free agent contract with the New Orleans Saints. Um, again, been uh, very fortunate, again, to be successful there as well. Three playoff appearances, uh, NFC Championship appearance, and unfortunately came up short on that one too. But uh, this last uh, season, before the 2020 season, I just signed a three-year contract with the Buffalo Bills. Um, and again, was uh, lucky enough to, to get a deep playoff run and come up short a little bit in the AFC championship game. But um, yeah, I'll be headed into my ninth NFL season coming up this year. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's a little bit of my background, but football has always kind of been my, uh, my thing, I could say. Used to be a three-sport athlete back in high school and then awesome. ended up focusing just on football. But yeah. Awesome, awesome. And, and definitely the Bills are, are, are right there in the AFC. So hopefully you guys take the next step next year and whatnot. Um, you know, Dean and I have talked and, and, and we did a, a camp. I don't know if you remember, we did a camp and you came and demonstrated. And I'll never forget Dean talking to me about the fact that I, I believe you graduated high school and you were 17. Is that correct? Or yep. I, I, I reported to, uh, I reported to college and started taking my first college courses at 17 years old. Okay. That's awesome. And so, you know, want to touch on recruiting a little bit um, okay. because, because again, as, as you know, college football and things have changed and whatnot, recruiting, you know, starts earlier and earlier and earlier, you know, and you see kids that are, that are even as freshmen and sophomores getting looked at, um, you know, tell us, tell us kind of how it motivated you going through the recruiting process and, you know, as maybe schools, you know, and we don't need to name any names, Okay. Um, as schools maybe, you know, passed on you or, or, or definitely overlooked you um, because of success you had. Um, tell us how that motivates you. I mean, I mean, how do you go about that? Um, for, for obviously recruiting nowadays is way different um, than what I had to deal with. I remember for me, me and me, and my, one of my good buddies getting all the tape from the coaches um, on VHS tapes and ended up, burning them to DVDs. And then we sat down in the computer program and spliced it all of ourselves, overlaid every clip with, with audio 
Um, and I remember going to like uh, a computer store and ended up burning like 30 discs. I typed up cover letters, addressed them all to different colleges, and I just sent tapes out. I just sent DVDs out to these schools and their football programs, basically just cold calling every single buddy, every single uh, place. And I remember even once I started to get a little traction or hear stuff back or get stuff in the mail from people, I would cold, cold call coaches. And um, that was a tough process. I mean, in, in nowadays, these kids, I don't want to say that they're spoiled, but this huddle system and how everything is online and you can upload your film directly and um, technology in the last 10 years has just been unbelievable how, how far it's come or the last 13 years. Um, but yeah, I, I, for me, I was definitely an undersized kid. I was um, overlooked by some, some schools because of that. Um, but when I did get my tape out there, yeah, I fudged my numbers a little bit and said I was a little bit heavier than I was, but I knew I was going to continue to grow because of how I was growing at that point in time. Right. Um, but actually the first, the first call that I got back, um, was from Oklahoma. Oklahoma was the first school that called me, um, after seeing my highlight tape. And I think Matchy and, and Jory and whoever else was there can attest to that, that, uh, Bob Stoops called and said, Hey, we want to fly out and see him and, and offer him but we wanted to know if he's uh, serious about committing or coming to see us in Oklahoma. And we don't want to offer him and have just him go and uh, commit to Wisconsin right away. So that was my first callback. And I was just like, my mind was blown. I was yeah. I would, at that point in time, Oklahoma was always a top five team um, in the national title run or making a run at the national title every single year. So that was really exciting. And um a few things fell through. They had three or four linebackers commit in one week. And they're like, well, we don't have any more scholarship offers for linebackers to, uh, to go out. But if anything happens, we'll call you. And then after that, um, things went cold for me kind of in the recruiting process. I really didn't get a ton of looks. I, I had like Wyoming called me out of nowhere and offered me. I had an offer from Northern Illinois and Western Michigan. Um, but my first offer was Iowa State. Um, and at the time, Gene Chizik was the head coach. And um, it was it was one of those things where I thought I was going to get one offer from a, a Power Five conference, and they were just going to kind of start rolling in. And it didn't happen for me. So that's definitely difficult when you're sitting and you're comparing yourself to other kids or other, other people throughout the state or in the country, right? And you're sitting there like, well, I'm just as good as this kid. Why is he getting these looks? Or so I think trying not to fall into that trap of self-comparison. Um, and, and I mean, because at the end of the day, it's, it's a business for these coaches and it's a difficult process. And a lot of these kids that get, or a lot of people that go through these recruiting processes, I mean, now there's a ton of kids that transfer after a year or two years, you know what I mean? So um those were just a couple of the hurdles, just keeping my, my, my head screwed on and, and focusing more on the process and not necessarily um, the outcome. But I knew that I was a good enough player to play in a power five conference. So just keeping my, my, uh, my nose to the grindstone and just moving forward. But thankfully, um, even though Gene Chizik left, I was about to decommit and look at other schools, had other schools, Kansas, Iowa, uh, K-State, I think a few other schools from the, from the big 12 saw my tape and they saw my senior tape 
were going to offer me, um, but I stayed committed to Iowa State. So I think everything works out for a reason and happens for a purpose. But um, yeah, it was definitely kind of a whirlwind recruiting scenario for me. But I did a lot of legwork myself and uh, had, to, had to work for, I feel like, every offer, any kind of look that I've had or got from, from school because of, one, my, my demographic where I was from. We hadn't had a, a D1 football player in Kimberly for how many years? And, I mean, just kind of being an undersized, run-of-the-mill-sized kid as a junior because I was so young. So, Hey, AJ, I remember when you were a freshman in high school, and uh, we always take the height and weights. We get the rosters set up for all the freshman JV and varsity rosters. And I remember uh, you coming in, and you were 5 feet 8. I double checked this and you were 126 pounds. And as a teacher coach, a lot of times we'll have parents that say, Hey, you know, they're really afraid of their son playing football because, you know, they're too small. They don't weigh enough. You know, they're not strong enough. They're afraid they're going to get hurt. Any advice you would have for a freshman that's going to go out for football or the parents of those freshman football players that are told they're too small to play the game of football in high school. Well, you also have to remember, I think my, my biggest advice because of my situation, obviously I thought I was only five, six, but five, eight, still not very tall. Obviously 126 pounds. I wasn't knocking anybody over, but uh, to remember that everybody grows at a different pace, especially in that age, you're still maturing. You're not even close to being in your full grown body. I mean, I, I even after I left high school, I still matured. I don't think I, I topped out on my growth until I was like a sophomore or junior in college. Um, but if it's, it's, if it's for those kids, that are undersized or they don't know if they want to do it or, or play because of their size. I mean, I think you have to, you have to take every opportunity and look at it and be like, well, I know that I'm going to grow. I know that this is going to be a process. I know that when I get in the weight room where I run and condition and do all these things over the next few years, I'm going to get bigger. I'm going to get stronger. I'm going to get faster. And if there is a competitive gap between kids, I mean, everybody knows that kid that was in sixth grade that had a, a mustache and a full beard and <laughs> never grew a, grew an inch past eighth grade. Right. We, we know some of those kids just from my age, but um, I definitely was not that kid. You know what I mean? And for me, it was a process. And I remember talking to my mom um, when I was a freshman, when I was a sophomore, when I was in eighth, eighth grade, seventh grade. I was like, mom, when am I going to grow? When am I going to grow? When am I going to grow? And my parents handled it phenomenally. They said, AJ, it will happen in time. You can't rush these things. What's meant to be is, what, is, is what's meant to be. And um, my dad always just said, if you want to get bigger, he's like, make sure you go do your workouts. Make sure you're eating right. My, my dad was always very just like, very stick to the process and follow, follow the steps that the coaches are, are giving you. And if you do the things that they're telling you, and if you stick to it and you're consistent, that things will pay off. And um, I'm not sure what my height and weight was when I left, but I think my senior year, I played at 215. Um, and I was probably just, just over six foot because I grew a little bit even when I got to college. I was probably six one when I left. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Don't be scared just because of if you're a freshman, don't be scared because of your size, your speed or your, or your ability, because I've seen kids that have zero athleticism, zero coordination that in three years, they're the best athlete because they catch up. And, and for the parents, like 
let your kids know that it's okay. And you don't have to, like I said earlier, but even about the recruiting stuff, you don't have to compare yourself to everybody else because everybody's on their own personal journey and you can't, you can't tell yourself that you're going to grow faster or slower. You know what I mean? <laughs> genetics is genetics. You know what I mean? So that's one thing I'll, I'll tell kids is just trust the process and, and stick with it. Yeah. You know, big thing, AJ, that I've noticed over the years, you know, 26 years of coaching high school, I don't know how many times after a kid has had an unbelievable senior year and ended his career. And some of these kids were, all conference and, you know, all region and some of them are all state and said, coach, do you know, when I was in eighth grade, I hardly ever played in the youth program and I almost didn't go out as a freshman. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've heard that numerous times and exactly it's kind of what you're touching on and your dad had incredible advice there. You know, just trust the process. We as strength coaches, Brian and I, we've seen kids in one year of training, just make unbelievable jumps and become much better. And I think that's one thing I've learned from your strength and conditioning coach at Carolina, Joe Ken. He said the number one trait that the weight room gives athletes is confidence. And that's what I've been a big believer in. Yeah. And we see it all the time, uh, training athletes and at all levels. Well, I, I very much agree with like the strength, the, the, the weight room gives an athlete confidence and, it's not only just the weight room, but it's the coaches like yourself um, that can instill confidence within these kids. Because once I got to college, obviously your position coach, your, your defensive coordinator, all these things, right? You're spending 80%, 85, 90% of your time with your strength coach. And, and these are the guys that you truly connect with. These are the guys that, and um, these are the guys that are truly developing players. Obviously these, these coaches that to teach guys in the, in the classroom and teach them the X's and O's, don't get me wrong, that's also a very difficult job and they're on the field, but these strength coaches in the college programs that are developing the physical attributes, but not just the physical, but as, like you said, as they're developing the physical, their mental capability and their confidence levels, that all that coincides with being a great athlete and a great, and a great performer when it comes to game day. That's awesome, AJ. I think one of the cool things too, and Dean and I, we do, we do presentations for, for a lot of different high schools, you know, across the state. We've been doing them for cripes, eight, 10 years, even since the one when you were in high school. And we still use your profile um, as an example for coaches as, you know, it doesn't really matter where you start. It matters where you finish. And so mm -hmm. I think it's a great, great story. We want to kind of slide into, into college here. And, and, you know, for those of our listeners who, who don't know, hopefully they all do. AJ was a big 12 defensive player of the year, correct? Yeah, state. Um, and with success, obviously, a lot of our kids, you know, and, and we'll start to lose focus maybe in the classroom and things like that. And obviously, in college, you have a lot of different things to manage things like that. Kind of give us, you know, some of the things you did, you know, personally, you know, how you manage your academics, as well as being a, you know, big time player in, in a big time conference. To be, to be honest, how I managed, um, I obviously, obviously went to college wanting to play college football and I wanted to be the best that I could, perform the best and be a starter. And, and, but I never once, never once just thought about accolades, to be honest. Never thought about, oh, I want to be a first teamer. I want to be a second teamer. I want to be honorable mention. I never thought about any of that. And my goal was like, hey, 
I just earned a scholarship because now I'm going to be the free education. And again, uh, instilled from my parents is like, you're going to school to be a student first, right? Get your education. And then what you do on the football field is bonus. Yep. Um, so I, I, I thank my parents for those, for those building blocks and, and those foundational bricks that were laid early on for me. But I focused again, I focused on the process and, for me, my daily routine, I tried my very best to keep it the same, no matter we, whether we were in season or out of season. Um, when I was in college, I was always an early lift morning guy. I was always an early workout guy because I felt like I could get my best workout in the morning when I'm mentally fresh enough to attack my workouts in the weight room and on the field and be done by noon, 12, 30, one o'clock for my classes. So I could have the rest of the day could kind of recover. Right. Um, so for me, early mornings for me were important. And then focusing, even when I got to college too, was focusing on my, my nutrition, um, making sure I'm getting, and, and everybody can fall into the trap of eating poorly when they're at college. Cause don't get me wrong. I was a poor college kid too. I mean, there's times where I was just eating Jack's pizzas and your ramen noodles and everything like you know what i mean because the 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 again the cafeteria food now that they have now compared to what i had right is completely different the stipend money that i got completely different like i worked i worked a full-time job in the summer or a, not a full-time but a part-time job i would do my workouts i would go to class and then i would work probably from i'll probably show up to work at 2 30 3 o'clock and work to 10 o'clock at night probably five, six days a week and getting paid minimum wage. And the reason I did it, cause I was working in the kitchen, washing dishes for two years. And then one year I was a, a line cook. I probably ate more food at that place <laughs> to offset the costs. I'm, I'm, and I'm dead serious too. Like to, to know that I could go there while I'm working, get a meal. And yeah. then I knew I could golf for free on Tuesdays. Um, but <laughs> I mean, the education aspect was always important to me. I wanted to be, uh, and I, I didn't graduate um, because I left school early and I'm actually back in school now trying to finish. Nice. I can, I can say that I've, I'm over three, two GPA and I'm looking, if I finish strong, I could uh, get close to a three, four um, GPA. And I was a kinesiology major, um, pre-physical therapy. So I had to take my major seriously and it was important for me to take it seriously. And, and football, professional football really never clicked or became an option for me. And I think that's the thing is I kept things separate. I thought, be the best I can be in the classroom. Don't get me wrong. I slacked off at times just like any college kid. But it was important for me to do well because if I want to get into grad school, if I wanted to go on and do what I wanted to do, I needed to be a good student. And then do, what I be do the best I can on the football field and everything will take care of itself. So my junior year is when I won uh, Big 12 Defense Player of the Year, first team all-conference. And I remember I being surprised by it because it, it was never a focus of mine. So I remember my, uh, I don't know if it was my dad or somebody called me. It was like, hey, you made first team all-Big 12. And they voted you Defensive Player of the Year. And I was like, holy crap. Like kind of side, like blindsided by it. And um I remember like no more than five minutes later, I had a, had a uh, interview with, with the media at the university and they're like, Oh, right after that happened. So they're talking about you and the NFL and what's your plans and this and that, and that, because 
usually good good juniors will yep. leave, right? And in my mind, I was like, I'm not ready to play in the NFL. Like, there's no way I'm ready to play in the NFL yet, um, which I ended up going back for my senior year. But my, I remember sitting down with my position coach, my defense coordinator, Wally Burnham, after the season and after I was voted that before our bowl game prep. And he looked at me, he's like, hey, he's like, you had a great season. He's like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things that we can improve on. But he's like, if you do things right this next year and you take things – seriously, and you continue to improve, you can, you can make a career out of this. And um, that was the first time in my mind that it clicked. That's like, okay, I can, I can do this. And that's, I mean, the confidence building from freshman year to sophomore year to junior year um, was huge. So I just try to keep things separate, but yeah. Hey, AJ, uh, I had a lot of coaches in my career uh, that had a big influence on me and the reason why I wanted to be a, a teacher and a coach, you know, at the high school level. And I had a brief uh, internship at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and with their football program. So I got a taste of what Brian did for over a decade, being a collegiate strength and conditioning coach. But I decided to stay at the high school level. And uh, we got a lot of coaches that are going to be listening to this podcast. And what's some advice that you would have to it would help high school, you know, any coach out there make a, a bigger impact on the athletes that, you know, they are in, impacting because a lot of the coaching has changed since when I started. Yeah. This is my 26th year. So you've been at all, all levels here, you know, and it's, a, I know an NFL is a business, so it's probably a lot different there, but, you know, explain some of the things that, you know, you look for in coaches. And I, I think the, the thing I look for the most and which I've been very, um, very fortunate to have is in, in strength coaches specifically is um, people that are personable, people that are liked and, and liked by their, by their athletes. I like, I I've been very lucky. I haven't been around anybody that wasn't like the top guy. Like when you, when you ask an athlete, like, who's your favorite coach? it was always the strength coach in my, in my situation. And that's just not the story or, or the reality for a lot of people. A lot of people have been around strength coaches. Like that guy was a, was a yeah. dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just ran us in the ground, didn't care about us. Didn't take our opinions into consideration. So for me, I think, and I go back, uh, I'll, I'll start with in college, Yancey McKnight. Yancey's to this day. Great guy. Out of all my coaches, I could say like Yancey made me who I am because he pushed me, pushed me hard. Right. And he saw my potential before I think I believed what my own potential was and held me accountable. But um, he was just so personable. You could go sit in his office and I could call him up today and chat on the phone with him for an hour. Um, two years ago, when I got hurt or three years ago and in, in, uh, when I got hurt in uh, New Orleans and I, I tore my groin, had a shoulder surgery, had ankle surgery all in one off season. And Yancey's at Texas. I called Yancey up. I said, Hey, I need help. I'm messed up. I was like, I'm messed up. I need somebody to, I just need to be in a grind for like a good week and a half, two weeks to kind of like get me ready for training camp. And he opened up Texas's facility. He opened me, he opened it up with, uh, open arms and, and let me come in and use the facilities. And 
train with these guys on the field at 5 36 a.m in their in their groups in their lift groups like who does that you know what i mean and i think that that personal relationship was the most important thing so i think my biggest piece of advice for strength coaches at any level and matthew you were the same way i feel like you knew everybody on a personal level their families their siblings i mean everything um is is to be sure to be intentional about the relationships you develop with your athletes because if if they we respected the hell out of Matt or out of Yancey, right? Everybody would have done anything for that guy. And if you can develop that, they will like you, you will bring out more in athletes because they respect you as a coach and as a man um, than if they don't. So. Dave, one quick thing about uh, Yancey there, uh, AJ, is when we came down that one spring break, you know, our football coach. Yep. And we all came down and uh, learned from the staff. And that was quite an experience. And we took our spring break as coaches to help and get better and, and uh, continue to help our football program at Kimberly. But I remember meeting with Yancey. And now we're talking coach to coach. And I'm a high school strength and conditioning coach. You know, and he's a college strength and conditioning coach. And he must, we must have been in his office talking strength and conditioning for about five hours straight. Yeah. And, you know, I believe it was like a Friday night and I'm like, Yancey, get home before you get divorced. <laughs> you know, five hours, man. I, I was happy to get an hour and he just kept going in on and on. So I can definitely relate with you that, you know, that's just the kind of person he is Yeah, you know, with his athletes and, and obviously with the coaches as well. And that meant a lot to me because I was trying to grow as a strength coach and always continually trying to learn and, he just said, hey, call me anytime. Here's my number. Need some information. I'll do whatever I can to help you become better. And, and I really thought that was impressive. AJ, so you, you kind of touched on, on, you know, how, you know, one of your strength coaches helped you deal with, with an injury situation, things like that. Obviously, you know, athletics, I, I, don't, I don't think we want to limit it to football. But I mean, football obviously is is a, a very physical sport, but, you know, injuries are a part of the game. Obviously, as strength coaches, you know, we do everything we can to put you guys in the best position, you know, to stay on the field or the court or whatever longer. But, you know, injuries are inevitable. You get rolled up on, yeah. um, you take a bad, you know, a bad step, things like that. Um, you kind of shared, you know, how a coach helped you deal with some of your injury situations. What about, you know, as an athlete, you know, how, how should our athletes, you know, they're going to, they're going to get nicked up, you know, and, and knowing the difference between being sore and injured, things like that, you know, give us, give us some advice for some of our young athletes on, you know, if they do get hurt, you know, how they go about that rehab process and kind of understanding, you know, the difference between, you know, if you're injured or, or things like that. Whew. That's, 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 that's tough because I mean, that's that's a very difficult that's a difficult question and um we only asked the hard ones here no i know <laughs> so so for me for me i was very fortunate to never really have any major injuries through college obviously i've been rolled up on here and there um i think for me i relied heavily on the trainers that we had um i know stacy and in, in uh, high school for me and um 
I mean, Shannon and Mark Coberly and all these guys in at Iowa State, I tried to, for me, I knew when things weren't right. You know what I mean? I knew if I was injured, had a rolled ankle, it was just sore. But I would say if, if a young athlete is listening to this and you're, you think you're injured, not hurt, right? Um, I think the distinction lies within like a week of two weeks of rehab practice and things just aren't getting better. Um, then you have to, or for me in my personal experience, um, with my ankle, uh, again, I thought it was just a high ankle sprain. I played through it for a lot of weeks, uh, played through it. Um, and then it wasn't until the off season that it was just a persistent pain that just didn't go away and ended up getting MRI and, and, uh, found out that I had a, a lesion on my talus in my, in my ankle, oh, wow. um, that I didn't know about. But it was one of those things where I was like, I started to get the sensation of my ankle giving out and not having power. And um, I think there's a lot of physical, there's a lot of cues that come with true injury, whether it's uh, one, excruciating pain, obviously, the loss of strength in a joint or in a, like, say if you're a pitcher or, or you're running on your knee and your knee just gives out and you feel like you can't press off. Like those are obviously obvious warning signs um of hurt versus injured but I can say that I've had to play being a football player and obviously I don't want to just make it about football but I've had to play hurt yeah um a lot of times and that's just the nature of our business and and the game that we play because like you said we play a very physical sport um but I'll tell young athletes try to rely on the medical professionals that you have um I know not everybody has the same same uh same things readily available like not everybody gets to go hop in an mri machine if your knee feels a little weird you know what i mean like that from the nfl to the high school but um do your best to to follow their protocols and if things don't get better within a week to two weeks then i think you have to take a some some greater steps to get a clear diagnosis of what's going on Hey, AJ, today's high school athletes have a lot of pressure to perform well in their sport from parents. And I know you, as a high school teacher, I see it in everything. And uh, you now have two children of your own. What advice do you have for parents out there and athletes, um, you know, that, that, that really can make it a lot less stressful, I think, for them, athletes? Um, I think the outside pressure from coaches and from programs. Um, this is, this is for parents. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit the other day is, is don't be afraid to take your kids out and take family vacations. Don't be afraid to say, Hey, it's okay. It's the middle of the summer. We have travel team baseball. We're supposed to go to tournaments tournaments. I don't think, parents or athletes should ever be pressured to say I'm going to give up my family time or I'm going to give up a family vacation that's more important in hindsight now looking back on my career I was always very fortunate too like my dad and my parents said hey this week this two-week period we're gone like that is what it is coaches don't like it so be it and um, I would urge I would urge parents to carve out family time if they can to get away and to let their kids rest. I know so many kids now that it's a year round 
deal. I mean, they go from one sport to the next to the next. And not only just one sport to the next, I've, I've heard of people playing multiple sports year round. And to the, to the parents out there, your kids need a break. And to the coaches out there, your kid, like your athletes need a break because I know some people might think it as like weeding people out. Right. Um, you could be weeding out some of your best athletes because of burnout. You could be weeding out some of your best performers. Um, oh, geez. Because did I lose you? Nope. You're good. Oh, I lost up. Uh, something's going off on my computer. Here we go. I'm sorry. There we go. I'm back. <laughs> um, yeah, you could, you could be burning out some of your best athletes and, and kids that could be really excelling um, in multiple sports or even just one sport. If you don't have that time to recoup mentally and physically, um, it's, it's, it's a tough road. And I see too many kids that are too talented end up not, not only like reaching their full potential because of the pressures put on them from coaches and from some parents that that push their kids to do all these things i don't think it should be necessarily like hey if you do more the better it's not in my opinion it's not and um but i guess i will run down that that road at some point in time when my kids get to that age but i think it's very important to have time away and to let kids just be kids yeah i think you know i think the greatest example of that right is bruce arians you know, where he mandates that his coaches have to go to his kids' events. And they're, I mean, Super Bowl champions, you know, yeah. they're, they're, you know, I mean, you're, you're at the highest level of, of probably the most competitive and watched sport in the world. And this guy is telling these guys, hey, that, you know, this is more important and it's not, it's not acceptable to miss. So I think, I think a lot of coaches, right. I mean, need to, to take that. Um, one last thing here, AJ, you know, and Dean, you know, Dean and I, as I'm sure you know, are, are, are best friends and we talk probably more than our wives probably would want us to, but you know, our cell bills, you know, are in check and everything like that. Um, you know, he always speaks, you know, when, when we talk about you, he speaks very highly of you, obviously, as a person, but one of the things he always, you know, said is that you were always wanting to do a little bit extra. Um, and you were always playing, you were playing special teams, you were doing all these other things. And, you know, um, you know, the title of our podcast is get your edge. And we're hoping a lot of high school kids tune into this for, to listen to, to, to guys like you that are high quality people, but they're also looking for a competitive advantage, um, in high school over, you know, whether it's teammates or, or, or people they're compete against. So what are some things you can tell high school kids to do you know, that doesn't take a lot of talent, but that they can do to give themselves a competitive advantage um, over some of their competition. Well, I think the key word that you just said is, is, is the one thing that every person can control is their effort, their effort and their attitude. And it's something that's like, you might not be the most talented. You might not be the most physically gifted, but if you, and I'm saying effort for, and I'm going to, I'm going to relate football terms, right? Um, all out effort on every single play, every single play, whether you're doing the wrong thing or the right thing. I remember one of my coaches said that in, in college, he's like, I don't care if you run the wrong direction 
or you misread the play completely, I want you to play with 100% effort because that's something that we can control as athletes. Um, and, and another thing is attitude. I think having a positive attitude, regardless of your situation that you're in, will will not only catch the eye of coaches, but it will catch the eye of your teammates. And I think that leads to respect from your teammates and, and everybody around you. But uh, you said competitive edge, and you touched on me playing special teams um, in high school. Did I have to play special teams? I don't think I had to. Um, I bet you if I went to coaches and said, hey, I don't want to play special teams, they probably would have said okay. Yeah. But that just – you know what I mean? That's, those are, those are things. And these are, I'm talking about like, um, and our program in Kimberly has been a, a shining example of this developing young players through special teams, same thing with the college, same thing with the NFL. If, if, if a young athlete, that's a football player. And I wish I could, I've related to a lot of different other sports, but I can speak only what I know. Special teams for me in the NFL, um, college and high school was a, was a way to stand out because it was a job that not everybody wanted to do because it's special teams. Everybody just thinks that the, all the, all the positive things come from offense and defense, but it's, it's a place where you can separate yourself with one, your attitude of how you handle the situation and the responsibility of playing special teams and how hard you play. And it's awesome to see Kimberly over these last, how many years, like the last decade, allow sophomores to come up and play on varsity and run down and try to knock somebody's head off or you know what i mean like it's it's fun to see because these kids get all jacked up and it gives them a little taste of what varsity football is in high school um but it allows them to go out compete gain the confidence and i think that the coaches um, jones and everybody are picking the kids that separate themselves with their attitude and with how they play and the effort that they give. And I think those are the two main things that can separate you as a young athlete um, from, from everybody else. That's awesome, AJ. I know, you know, we listen to some different podcasts. And I've, I've heard Urban Meyer talk about, you know, Ohio State. And one of the things that we use at, at my gym is, is relentless effort, right? Yeah. Just relentless in everything you do. And they equated it to four to six, you know, A to B plus two. And obviously, because they're in football, it's a play is four to six seconds. You know, every play has a start and finish, and then it's play, take two extra steps. And, you know, he was – we were okay getting a few penalties. We just want – and just like you said, we want guys to play as hard as they can and as fast as they can, you know, every single play. Um, Dean, you got anything else for AJ? I know you, you – know, The last thing, Brian, and, you know, and you know this because I, I brought this up to you when AJ was in high school, but – the thing that always uh, set AJ apart and, and he's always my examples is work ethic. And, you know, a lot of the kids when they're looking at trying to become better as an athlete, a lot of them like to lift weights, but not a lot of them like to work on their mobility or some of their weaknesses. And I remember AJ, he would get a purple band out and he would just do a purple band mobility, flexibility routine, and he would be soaking wet when he got done. And if it was a 10 minute routine, he was doing it for 15 minutes and it was all the time. And just being consistent is I think one of the things that has made AJ be so successful at the highest level, the NFL. And uh, that's the biggest thing that, that I think about when I think AJ Klein 
comes in real small, right? Young for his grade level, and then just continues to just all about the process. Everything his parents have told him and what it was going to be like to just keep grinding it out. Like Coach Jones says, water it. You know, you just, every day you just keep watering that bamboo and you continue to get better and then good things are going to happen. And, and that's AJ in a nutshell. So I appreciate AJ having you on the podcast. Ryan, anything else you want to say? No, AJ, we really appreciate you taking time out, uh, both Dean and I, and, and hopefully some of our listeners understand what it's like to have kids under the age of three and know what uh, responsibility <laughs> that can be at night. Um, you know, those of you guys just want to put a little plug in for Dean that, you know, in the summer, any of you throwers, uh, anything like that, he's got the Fox Valley Throws Club um, that he's doing in the, the Kimberly Appleton area. Um, you can get that at Fox Valley Throws on his Instagram. Um, and obviously anybody uh, from a training aspect that's in the Madison, Dane County, Wisconsin Dells, Beaver Dam area, Sports Advantage. We have our, our, our facilities and our high schools and whatnot. We'd love to have you out. AJ, anything else for our listeners before we uh, send them off? No, I just want to say I appreciate it um, having me on. And I hope uh, whoever listens to this can, can pull a little nugget or two from what I've had to, to, uh, to share. But um, I'm obviously I'm, I'm always very open to hear from listeners and to hear from people and their opinions. And I love doing like kind of Q and a type sessions. So if, if there's any questions that listeners, um, would have that are a little bit more in depth or whatever it is, I would, obviously I'm always open to hop back on whenever you guys want. So I obviously want to open and, and keep things, um, as open as possible for you guys. And obviously for all those young kids out there that, that are looking to, to get better. But um, I will plug um, just two, two organizations that I've worked with yes. um, over when, when I was in New Orleans for the past now three, four years. Um, Son of a Saint uh, is a organization for underprivileged boys or boys and young men in the city of New Orleans that uh, don't have fathers. And uh, they, it's, it's almost kind of like a boys and girls club for, for young men. And it's just been a, a, an incredible, incredible um, organization. And it's really trying to instill positive character um, and, and positive role models in these young boys' lives and uh, get them their grades straight and get these kids on, on the right path to, to do something positive, not only for themselves, but also the hope is to get these kids to come back to the city and pour into the city as well. Um, and then also uh, Team Gleason, and I don't know if you know anything about the, the Steve Gleason story in ALS, um, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, Steve played for the Saints, um, was part of the rebirth after after Katrina hit, and he was diagnosed with ALS. And um, they have an organization, again, called Team Gleason, um, that they provide technology and experiences uh, for people that are dealing and living with ALS throughout the country. Um, so two organizations that are ones that I've worked closely, closely with that I've, I've been able to uh, develop great relationships with. And I'll really appreciate if you, uh, if, if anybody's interested in making any kind of donation to these two, uh, these two organizations would be greatly appreciated and they do some great, great, great things. So, um, hey, Dave, we'll, uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Um, we'll put contact information for both those. 
Um, do you can can our listeners contact you like via Twitter or Instagram? Yeah, so I'm on I'm on Instagram. I'm I, I think I'm still on Twitter, but I haven't been on Twitter for like three years. So, but I'm on Instagram, AJ Klein fifty six. Okay. Um, um, but yeah, people can reach out to me directly. I I, I usually uh, am able to respond and and get in touch with people that way too. So yeah, anybody wants to to reach out, just mention the the podcast and in this conversation, I'll be more than happy to chat. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you being on and that's going to wrap it up tonight for this episode of the get your edge podcast. Make sure you tune in next week uh, for our next episode. All right. Have a good night guys. Appreciate it.